I see a picture of a man and two women or what appear to be a man and two women, they must be in a triad, Mm -hmm. right? In a classic, maybe unicorn hunty kind of triad. I've had clients who have told me or who have assumed that the story of us was that Jace and I were together and we unicorn hunted Emily and then broke up with her. And here we are. We've had our own patrons who are like, what's the matter with all these like freaking straight people talking about queer issues? And we're like, um, excuse me. Hello. Like none of us are straight. Like we've had like so, so many, I think, assumptions thrown at us and like, whatever, that's hard because even though we're talking about ourselves a bunch right now on the show, we don't necessarily talk about our personal lives a ton. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are celebrating our 400th episode. (laughs) So Dedeker wrote that. Dedeker wrote that intro for me, and she wrote out the in the document. You executed beautifully. Thank you. What's funny is it it gets highlighted by Google Docs as being spelled wrong, and when I highlight over it. It wants it to be bois, 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 ah, with spaces in between each of those. Interesting, Google. That's your take on the air horn That's, noise. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Wow. Uh, no, a That's really beautiful. good Google Easter egg would be if you clicked on that, then it actually like play played an sound. air horn That's noise for you. That'd be yeah. good. It's fun. Hey, so if you listening at home are a Google Docs developer, that's a fun Easter egg. If you could just... Just kind of stick that in there. So what are we doing for our 400th episode other than celebrating ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) Other than celebrating (laughs) ourselves. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, we we decided (laughs) that we would take this episode to sort of, uh, you know, let you see what happens behind the curtain of the, you know, giant Wizard of Oz style podcast talking head that we have out there. I've heard this metaphor has really gotten away from me. It sounds like we're like one unit, one entity, <laughs> one talking head together. I suppose maybe we're a three-sided singular head. Three-sided die. A three-sided singular head. Yeah. Yeah. Like that character yeah. in He-Man. Like what is it? Zor? The one where oh. he's got like a helmet and his head sort of spins around and he's got different faces underneath his helmet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's Is that who we're going to be there. after, yeah, after like the radioactive apocalypse where we just be fused into one being with a rotating head, yeah. spewing Possibly. out different pieces of I relationship advice? Right. Yeah, that's got to be it. That'll be our 600th episode, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, God. Wow. No, but but really, though, <laughs> we wanted to take an episode to ask some some questions that are not we didn't s- specifically ask for questions for this episode but more just things that come up that people wonder about or things that people mistakenly think about us or about <laughs> how the show is made and then also just kind of some fun behind the scenes you know how does this show actually get made you know what is that what does that process look like a little bit and we just thought that would be fun to to share with you in this 
super chill, informal chat about, you know, the, the real story inside multi-amory that hit documentary series. Right. Yeah. Where are Hollywood they now? Story. Right. <laughs> yeah. So podcasting is a medium where I think it's more difficult to be in dialogue with your audience. And that can be mm-hmm. both a good and a bad thing. A good thing in the sense that you listen to a podcast episode and you don't necessarily have like a comment button like you do on YouTube, <laughs> where halfway through you can be like, I hate this. You look silly and unattractive, you know, like the horrible dredge that is YouTube comments. So as a medium, a lot of podcasters, I think, are a little bit more shielded from that direct shooting from the hip kind of feedback and commentary that people in other mediums might get a little bit more readily. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to give us feedback, either positive or negative, they have to jump through some more hoops, as it were, in order to get that to us. Yeah, find the email address, take the time to sit down and write either your glowing email or your scathing email. And so it is funny that a lot of the direct feedback that we get from people tends to be some of those opposite extremes, people who are very, very upset or people who are very, very happy with us. I guess on our social media, we get like a little bit of a smattering in between. But in response to the podcast Mm -hmm. itself, it's I think it's just a harder medium to actually be in dialogue with your audience. And so that was part of my intention. And also bringing this idea for an episode for our 400th episode is, I I guess, wanting to have more of a conversation, as it were, (laughs) where we're talking about ourselves, as you know, and and about what goes on with this show. Because as a medium, I think podcasts are also very easy to, well, not just podcasts. I think any kind of content creator is really easy to project shit onto when you don't have the full details of their lives. Yeah. And I do want to clarify that we do this too with the podcasts that we listen to or the, oh, yes. the celebrities that we follow or the shows we watch or whatever it is, right? Like we all do it. So it's, it's like, yeah, like I like, I will tell you honestly, me and Carly Rae Jepsen, we're like best friends, right? I mean, we've never <laughs> met, but like, I just, I just feel like we'd get along really well, and I think she's great. So, like, <laughs> you know, and I know that that's not actually true, and and you know, I know that that's all in my head, but part of it is a little bit like I do kind of feel that affection for her, and if she, you know, writes a song where she talks about jealousy too much i get a little bit disappointed by carly you know it's like come on like i didn't think that was so much a part of our relationship and you know it's like that that happens and so i get it on that side as well but we do get some of that reaction from people about us which is a really really interesting thing that i never thought would would be something i would experience that other side of but but it is interesting yeah i like the idea of peeling back the curtain today just to discuss what goes into making this show because it is a lot and it's something that I think when we all started we didn't really realize what we were getting into oh, as much 100% as we do now not. clearly no no and the idea of a podcast at the time was just so foreign I think to everybody in 2014 you know people knew what radio was but podcasts were a fairly new medium i think i don't know you're you're shaking your head yeah it wasn't new at all okay. but it was sort of right before just a few years before they became so commonplace that that everyone knew yeah. about podcasts cuz at first it was that thing of like it's a what yeah 
a a podcast. It's it's well, it's like who? radio. Who? Oh, okay, it's yeah. a radio show. Yeah, but it's on the internet. Oh, okay, so you like stream it on the internet. Well, yeah. no, it's pre-recorded, so you can listen whenever. <laughs> okay, it just I remember having those conversations. Like, why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> do people listen to that? Why would they do yeah. that? Yeah. Whereas now everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah. podcast. Apparently right. they okay. do. I've listened to whatever slash like. I'm going to make my own podcast or I'm interested in making my own pun yeah. my own podcast and that's really fascinating too like how many people come up to me wanting to make their own podcasts or or just starting out doing that as well. Well, I was talking earlier about podcasts and other, you know, content creators being easy to project stuff onto that I think we've gotten that where people I don't know, some people think people think it's super easy to run a podcast. <laughs> and I think because deceptively it is i think deceptively the steps are like get a microphone put on some headphones sit down talk into the microphone put it on the internet done <laughs> right. so deceptively that feels very simple and feels like a very low barrier to entry but i mean we've had people who i think think that it's like free to produce a podcast or like we have mm. no expenses mm. or or things like that and that's I, on top of to all the weird... about podcasts that i listen to I used... Yeah. Well, that's why we're here, really? Jesus, because right. you thought that about Because I thought this would be easy and free. <laughs> yeah, you thought it would be easy and just a fun time. And while it is, it is in a lot of ways. Yeah. But that's also, it's that's also, also on top of, of all the assumptions that people make about us, our relationship to each other. You know, there's still a lot of people who assume, I think, based on just seeing, oh, I see a picture of a man and two women or what appear to be a man, a man and two women. They must be in a... Uh, you know, a triad, mm-hmm. right? Triad. In a classic, maybe unicorn hunty kind of triad. I've had clients who have told me or who have assumed that the story of us was that Jace and I were together and we unicorn hunted Emily and then broke <laughs> up with her. And here we are. I've had clients, we've had our own patrons who are like, what's the matter with all these like freaking straight people talking about queer issues? And we're like, um, excuse me, hello. Like none of us are straight. Like we've had like so, nope, so many. I think assumptions thrown at us and like, whatever, that's hard because even though we're talking about ourselves a bunch right now on the show, we don't necessarily talk about our personal lives a ton. It's not like a confessional show about who we slept with last weekend or the drama that's going on with my metamor Mm -hmm. right now. And so it's a weird basis for people to create a parasocial relationship because I think people are often filling in the gaps about us and how our relationship works and how the podcast works. So you're saying it's our own fault for leaving the gaps that people need to fill in. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying we need to just like I really feel like give them all about it. Have, now we need to go hard the other direction, just full graphic detail oh. about everything in our lives. Wow. <laughs> for the record, yeah, the two of you are in a relationship. I am not in a relationship with either of you anymore, but I was at one point. And then that ended, and now I'm in a monogamous relationship with my partner that I've been with for eight years, for like the entirety of the time. Right, that I've been but in our relationship show. didn't start as like a couple hunting a unicorn. It no. started from a failed quad. No. You must know. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that it was yeah. Emily and I who were together yeah. first, and Dedeker had a different partner, and yes. that was the the quad that came together that that then failed catastrophically. But the three of us stayed yep. close and that relationship evolved over time and you know eventually Emily ended up being monogamous with her partner but our relationship and the closeness and friendship of that has stayed and I would say gotten 
even closer and more developed over the years, in part because we spend so much totally. time every week doing this podcast together. So it's really helped keep us all very close and sharing a lot of our values and you know how we want to run a business and how we want to help people and put information out there in the world. Snoozer, Jace. That's when all the reality TV show producers are <sighs> yeah, like, oh, I'm so bored. I don't, I don't want to turn them into a show anymore. <laughs> That's why we still haven't gotten that's, a reality and I'm fine. TV show. I'm fine with Even that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Some people it's have approached us. It's just funny because, yeah, at least yes. once or twice a year, we get some TV producer who is like, oh, my God, like, I want to get on a call with you. Like, so interesting. Tell me about your relationship. Like, do you all live together or whatever? And then I'm like, well, actually, you know, this is nope. what the history has been. And we find that it's really interesting and like really exploring how you could have non-traditional relationship that's still very loving and caring. And they're just like gone. Yeah, you're like, hello? You know. Hello? Are, you, are you still there? Yeah. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but let's Don't get care. into the brass tacks yeah. of like, how is a multi-emory episode born? Wow. I do want to say when when you were like, oh, we don't talk about our lives, I find that a lot of the episodes that I do, and and that's a first, that's a, that's a thing to throw out there immediately, is that one of us is responsible for an episode, it's like essentially. Lead producer on so, that episode. Correct. And so that person is responsible for researching, for like being the the one who begins the research or has the topic. And then we also have our research assistants, who we've discussed and actually had on the show, and Miz and Dr. Keanu Nurse, and both of them you know, will be the person taking the lead research from us when we have a topic. So I might have a topic on polyfidelity, for instance, and then I I am interested in that. And so I go to Kiana, I might write out a few questions, and then Kiana will look more deeply into that subject, like what's out there, what the studies are, things like that. And we have a huge Google Doc where that specific episode is written out and kind of structured initially. And then that is what we actually look at while we're doing the episode. Yeah, our our research assistants aren't always involved in every single episode. There's also still a fair number of episodes that we like just like straight up write fully and like research fully on our own. The research assistants we brought on when we got our book contract because we were like, oh, no. Yes. This is a lot of work. How do we do this and write a book all at the same time? And so since bringing them on just for that little bit of extra help and also really a little bit of extra perspective as well on Mm -hmm. which research is sound and what isn't sound and what should we be critical of with this particular blog or research study or things like that. That's also been really, really helpful because they definitely catch things that we don't always catch when reading through some of these things. They're both academics. And have very different perspectives yes. than we do and very different lived experiences, yeah. which is great. So using a combination of just like interests slash what's going on in our personal lives. That is the funny thing is I did mm-hmm. tell somebody this the other day that if you want to track what's happened in our personal lives, you just go look yep. at what the topics have been. <laughs> it's not always a one-to-one totally. necessarily, but often there's probably like a 50-50 chance that it's directly related to something that one of us personally is facing and decided like, oh my God, I need tools and resources for this. So you can get, it's like some little clues that you can look for. Right. It's Yeah, it's, it's a mix of either something that we're wondering about personally, or sometimes it's also something we've seen several people talk about 
online, either in the patron group or even just in, you know, larger polyamory groups. It's like, I see this come up a lot recently. Let me learn more about that and do an episode about that. Or it could be something a friend's going through or, you know, there's different ways it can come about. Or sometimes it's just, I listened to another podcast that had an expert on and talked about this thing. I'd love to do a spin of that where yep. we're including more types of relationships in that discussion or, or something like that. So there's a few different ways, I guess, that the episodes come up. So I guess I'm just saying that as a caveat. Like, don't, don't, don't think you can guess too much about our personal lives from the episode topics. <laughs> okay, so we give it to him and then we take it back. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> you gave it, I took wow. it back. Okay, great, great. So then yeah. once we've got a little collection of episodes written... These days, what we've been doing for the past few years is we've been recording in batches. So mm-hmm. once about once a month, do a really long recording day that lasts anywhere from eight to 10 hours where we record four episodes mm-hmm. and, and, ads, and ads and record all of our ads, our sponsors as well. And, you know, pros and cons to this particular type of production schedule. It's nice to get it out of the way, you know, and then have our calendars a little bit more free the rest of the month. It is a very long recording day. <laughs> if some of our ads have seemed a little silly to you, it's probably because we always record them at the we're end of like eight hours of recording and we're just like so frazzled and toast at that point. That sometimes punchy. it comes out hilarious. Yeah. Sometimes it comes out as really awkward and weird. So that's the explanation <laughs> for that. And then we also have our team that works with us we talked about our research assistants. We also have our wonderful editor who has been with us since our first tour, which is incredible. We met Mauricio on our tour and he was like, your podcast's great, but I want to help make it better. And so I'm going to do that. And and why don't I edit for you? And for a long time, he edited just for free, which was incredible. It was all volunteer based until we were like, no, we're going to pay you now. <laughs> So Mauricio does the, the editing of the episodes and basically just, he's, he's told me before, he's like, I really don't edit a lot, right? Because we're not, it's not a This American Life type show where we've got all these different segments mm. that are having to get cut together with background music and things like that. Every now and then we've experimented with doing a more produced interview style segment show like that. But for the most part, it's more just cleaning it up. Sometimes we'll stumble over our words and we'll, you know, go back. Those ads that Dedeker was talking about where we get really silly, you know, for a one minute ad, we probably recorded 15 minutes of, of audio screwing it up and being like, wait, wait, God. what? Okay, maybe, not, that much. maybe not that a bad, lot. but sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Mauricio sometimes. helps clean that all up, make make the audio sound nice, all of that. And then... It gets passed off to our production assistants, who are Carson and Rachel. And uh, for the write-ups, that's mostly been Carson, who will then take that episode and do like the little write-up that goes in the show notes and on our website and gets everything scheduled and up. Uh, Rachel does other kind of admin stuff, like helping out with our emails and keeping on top of things. And sometimes we'll take over if Carson needs to take time off. Um, but she does kind of that similar stuff for our other show, Drunk Bible Study, that maybe we'll talk about more at the end of this. Um, but she also helps out with you know the scheduling and episode write-ups and some of the promotion and stuff for that. Also, every single episode, 
basically the person who is in charge of the episode will create social media quotes that you all see on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, things like that. And so I'm in charge of getting those to our social media team, which are some people over at Brand Desk, who we've worked with for a number of years. And they create the beautiful graphics and then also uh, help us do the write-ups I, for those. Specific shout like out that. to our main like lead designer on our social media, Brittany Walters. Brittany. Who, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Bethany yeah. McKenzie. They've just been doing yeah. a great job with that for many, many years. Brittany is also, I think, designer with our press kit and some elements on our website yes, as Brittany's well. She's awesome. fantastic. And also shout out to my mom, who's <laughs> our bookkeeper, because we've gotten to the point where we need such things in in our lives. And so, yeah, she does bookkeeping every single month for She's us. She's also, really she is lovely. a professional bookkeeper. It's not just doing Emily's mom a favor. Yes. Like she actually has done no. this as a job. <laughs> yes, she currently does this as a job for a much, much <laughs> bigger company than ours. Uh, but she does it, yeah, right now for us as well. And so she tells us how much money we can spend <laughs> or not, which is nice. Good to have that outside perspective, yeah. for sure. And then we have sort of, this isn't necessarily directly related to the production cycle of the podcast, but we have this wonderful team of moderators in our Discord and in our private Facebook group for our Patreon supporters. They're all volunteers, you know, they've willingly decided to give of their time to be able to create a really nice, welcoming environment in our patron groups. We're very fortunate in that in the whole history of having these private groups, there haven't been groups that have needed super heavy moderation. So it's like the mod team is not always in there yeah. having to break up fights or kick people out or really police the place, which is fantastic. Um, I count ourselves incredibly lucky for that. But I do think having the moderators at all does help to support and, again, create that good environment and that good culture within those groups. I also, we need to give a shout out to the network that we're on, Pleasure Podcasts, and our network manager, Cam, because he's the guy who helps get all the sponsorships, right? We don't have a skill for mm -hmm. negotiating those things, good Lord. But, you know, he's the one who's able to go to bat for us and negotiating, you know, when these ads are going to run and how much we get paid and making sure that we're able to, you know, get free samples and stuff so that we're not just like talking out of our butts about a particular product Athletic yeah you know stuff like that and yeah. and also on top of that cam and pleasure podcast have been just like a super amazing community and a fantastic network to be a part of yeah definitely definitely recommend checking out some of the other pleasure podcasts but one thing i was going to add about that with the advertising and one of the things that's so great about cam is that he'll approach all of us, all the podcasts on the network or some set of them with a potential sponsor who's expressed some interest and we get to express some initial interest. And then even then we'll have another chance of, Hey, they're interested in working with you. They'll send you samples usually. And then we still have a chance to say, actually, no, we, we don't want to work with mm -hmm. them. And I would say, tell me what you two think, but I feel like we turn down at least 50% of Probably different yeah. options that are given to us because mm, it's yes. just like no, I don't, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, Some it's just this isn't a good fit, or I don't think this is a good product, or this is, you know, just just something that 
doesn't support our values or just doesn't line up with what our show's about or, or things like that. So I do really appreciate that Cam isn't like, no, you have to take everything I give you. I worked so hard for this, but he's really great about, okay, yeah, no problem. And Cam's also yeah. been very vocal about the fact that compared to other shows on our network, our audience is apparently uh, like <laughs> we're telling really you about good. yourselves. I love it. Yes, this is so. This is this is what we can <laughs> tell about you. Is that he he's told us that compared to other shows on the network, like our audience is some of the most responsive to our sponsors. As in, you know, like we talk about on the ad break, where it's like, hey, if you're interested, please listen to these ads check out the sponsors. It does really help us. And a lot of you do. I realize that it's tough to like live under capitalism, you know, and it's mm -hmm. tough because the fact that a podcast isn't free to produce necessarily, but the fact that people do listen and then do go ahead and like use our promo codes, for instance, like it actually like really, really helps us a lot because it tells the sponsor that, you know, we have a good audience, right? And then the sponsor continues to sponsor us right so just want to say that like this does have an impact and when you do it it does really really help us a lot that's actually a pretty good segue yes to talking about yes things like money you know i think we keep alluding to the fact that podcasts aren't free to produce what's great about this medium is that it is still largely free to listen to the majority of podcasts right you know i think that the industry has been trying to shift and change. And I think there is a little bit of a power struggle to try to turn it into a subscription model, you know, like how you get your Netflix and your Hulus and things like that. I don't know how effective that is going to be or how industry changing that's going to be. But like, we're definitely at a time where people are really aggressively trying to put podcasts behind a paywall. I mean, and they're already do doing love it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't listen to any paywalled podcasts. No, do I never have. I don't. I don't. Yeah. 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 There's. I think there's uh, two parts. There's the the actual paywall, which is like you know the Spotify Premium has some podcasts you can only listen to through that. Like mm -hmm. Audible has some podcasts that are only listenable if you're a subscriber. Uh, you know, there's several several others like that. But then there's the other side, which is the um, like platform exclusive podcasts. So even if it's not behind a paywall, but you can yeah. only listen to it on Apple Podcasts or you can only listen to it on mm -hmm. Spotify or whatever uh, versus, you know, the the idea of podcasts originally was that it uses RSS. And so literally any program can decide to subscribe to it and get that content. Right. So definitely people are trying to figure out it's like how how do we as companies make money from this industry that was very independent for a long time? And we have to say that keeping the show free for people is a big value to us, right? Because we've thought about different models. Like there's a number of podcasts out there where the way that they make money is, yeah, we'll release this show for free, but you only get every other episode if you're not paying us money. Yeah. Or Sam Harris only yeah. does half of his episodes for free and then the other half mm -hmm. you have yeah, to and I'm not, pay for. I'm not necessarily knocking that model. If it works for people, that's great. And I understand why people would do it. And oftentimes we've considered that, but we've always just felt a little bit too weird about that. And just like, we have plenty of other options for being able to make money to support this yeah. podcast. And so that's definitely one of our values is being able to always make this show free for people. So what do we spend our money on? 
Well, one beer for Emily. <laughs> we didn't pay for that. She paid, she bought that herself. Yeah. No, I my my friends Jacqueline and Thaddeus brought this over and left it. So yeah, I no we all of the people that we discussed, with the exception of our mods, we pay. So that's two production assistants, two research assistants, our editor Mauricio, and our bookkeeper. Because yeah, Emily's mom doesn't even give her bookkeeping team. for free. We got to pay for that. Nope, we pay her. Yeah, absolutely. Our brand desk social media team, we also pay. And then we have an editor for our other show as well, dr- or Drunk Bible Study. And right. we, pay and we don't, well. like, we've always, we'll get more into the details of like how expensive this show is compared to how much money we bring in. But we like have always tried to strive to at least pay people above minimum wage if we can, you know, to the best of our ability. We're still yeah, not paying people, people as do. much as they deserve. We don't have the income to pay people as much as they deserve, but we always are striving to to pay people for their time and for their labor and also to be the ones who initiate paying them more as well, you know, in response to things like inflation or or yeah, yeah. things like that. Yeah. And so some other things that come up that are not uh, people specifically, but one is the transcripts that we do make transcripts available for all of our episodes. And we do those. That's another thing people are putting behind paywalls these days. I, I know. Transcripts, even though it's yeah. an accessibility yeah. well, thing. I know. I've seen that suggested as so like, oh. here's how to help promote your, your, you know, Patreon or Supercast or whatever is put your transcripts behind a paywall. And it's like, but that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. yucky. Anyway, I'll put my, <clears throat> my wheelchair ramps behind a paywall as well. It's like, no, that's not, God. that's not okay. Anyway, <laughs> transcripts. Yeah. Uh, so we do those and we, um, you know, there's lots of services out there that do, you know, AI transcription for pretty cheap, but they're all pretty bad, especially if you're trying to transcribe three people's voices or or more. Uh, so we actually do have a service that we've used now for several years who does actual human transcripts. I'm sure they use AI to help out their transcriptionists, but uh, but we do that. So that's something that we pay. And then... Carson has to then edit the transcripts that come back (laughs) to then put them up on the site. So there's some multi a lot of of work and time that goes into each of those transcripts, uh, which is also why sometimes they're not up right when an episode releases. Sometimes they might take a few weeks. It's just sometimes we can get behind on that or, you know, the transcription service could get behind. Usually it's our fault, though, not not theirs. (laughs) And then. Another thing about podcasts is that whenever you listen to a podcast on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, unlike the music that you're listening to on those services, they're not actually hosting our podcast. Like they they don't hold those audio files anywhere. They don't, you know, Apple doesn't pay anything for that bandwidth that's being used, any of those costs. That's on the podcast themselves to host it somewhere that can provide enough bandwidth for everyone to download it, that's fast enough that everyone can get it and can store the data for, you know, 400 episodes worth of, of audio and stuff like that. So, so that's another thing. And we've switched around to different hosting platforms over the years, uh, but that's another place where uh, I think a surprising place where podcasters' money goes is into that hosting fee because, you know, because it's not some company isn't owning this and now they're taking on those costs. It's like, no, we own this. And that's why we can put it on all the platforms because we're the ones paying to host it somewhere. 
And yeah, that's the f- like a newbie podcaster. That's going to be the first thing that they run into is like paying for hosting fees. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, after you've already bought your equipment and stuff, which can also be quite expensive if you're wanting to buy like even yes. semi decent equipment, it's still a chunk of change. So specifically, if you have any friends who have just started podcasting, or if you know of any newbie podcasters that aren't coming in with a ton of money, like go support them because it does really really help, right? Because these hosting yeah. fees are not cheap. On top of that, we have a whole host of other services that we have to pay for. So Riverside, which is like where we remotely record our episodes and like super crucial if we have a guest, for instance, they need somewhere where they can go. That's not just like Zoom. Mm. But also speaking of Zoom, we also pay for a Zoom subscription <laughs> because that's where we do a lot of our meetings. And then also that's where we have our video discussion groups once a month for our Patreon supporters. We have to pay for like email services for google cloud services the cost of website hosting like all of these little things that like take up a little bit of a chunk right and i think this is also something like even with not very big podcasts these are still things they're having to think about and to pay for thinking about your favorite like indie podcaster right is that there's actually a lot that goes into this We also support other creators on Patreon, and we make charity donations from time to time. Also, Patreon takes a cut of everything that we make. (laughs) Everyone involved takes some kind of cut, Yes, for sure. Everybody's got to get some. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Uh, We also pay for occasional events, like Jason Dedeker had a Patreon meetup in New York City a few months ago, and that was really cool, but, you know... There, there was a fairly large cost involved in yeah. even doing that, just even like securing yeah, the yeah, space. Definitely. Like that's even separate from like trying to feed ourselves or buy drinks for folks or things like that. And, and related, like it's been a while since we've yeah. done a tour or done a ton of live events. We want to slowly transition back into doing that. But the tours are also really expensive, right? Because you got to pay yeah, between really transportation expensive. costs yeah. and the cost of renting a venue and you know, often sometimes it's paying people extra to like take tickets or set the space up or tear it down or things like that. Mm. Um, so that's, of course, another cost on top of it. And then after all this, we also pay ourselves. Now, I never do the math on the number of hours that we put into the show in order to calculate my hourly rate because it's not great. And I'd rather not think about that <laughs> about how little i'm making per hour on this show yeah we don't pay ourselves very much in relation to what we're making because at the end of the day the amount of money that we set aside to put back in the business is also fairly mm-hmm. minimal but we want to be able to pay ourselves a small enough amount so that we can put a fairly sizable chunk back into the for things like tours or or events or things like that yes book promotion which is something we're about to do yeah the book we didn't even get into that but that that was a whole to do Uh, so just to give you a sense like 70 percent of our revenue goes to paying for all of the above right and so with that remaining 30%, the rest goes to some savings for long-term projects like Emily was talking about. And then, but mostly the rest of it goes to taxes, we pomp. <laughs> right. I still got to pay those business taxes. Yeah. <laughs> for all the for all of the goods and services that the government puts in place to support podcasts, you know. <laughs> right. And independent so creators. <laughs> oh boy. But but anyway, yes. So that's kind of to give you a rough idea of of where that's going. And then as far as how can we afford to do that, 
what what is nice about podcasts is when you start out, the costs are quite low, especially if you're able to edit yourself, which I did for our first two years or so of the podcast. I did all the editing myself. Uh, and we also like crowded around one microphone at the very beginning until we eventually right, could. Before we could even afford our yeah, own equipment. <laughs> right. Yeah, in a hot bedroom underneath a sheet. Yeah, we built a little nuts. like blanket for for audio, and we would write out our outlines on a whiteboard yeah. <laughs> right there. And yeah. uh, so we've come a long way. So, so that is something nice about starting a podcast is there are now there weren't at the time, but there are now uh, podcast hosting places that will even do free podcast hosting, usually in exchange for you know some kind of watermarking, maybe putting some ads on it or requiring you to do some promos. But the catch is once you get to certain numbers of downloads, then they start charging money. So the costs do kind of ramp mm. up as you grow. But the advantage of that is it means that, you know, as our listenership has grown and as we've, you know, created our, our Patreon, we've been able to, you know, afford those things. So it's not like, oh my gosh, you're tens of thousands of dollars in the hole before you ever make any money at all. Like, you know, if we were running a printing press or something where we've got to buy all the equipment up front first what before we've made anything. What a business idea for you to whip out of nowhere. A printing press? A printing press. I don't know. Weird. I guess I was thinking Jace, about... What is this, 1875? Well, that was the first thing. <laughs> I was thinking about Newsies and like right. how they had to like go Oh, okay, so it's like 1912. Press. Okay, yeah, sure. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm the king of New York. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of that, um, and we were talking about before, you know, our, our audience being awesome and, and listening to the ads, around 31-ish percent of the money that we make comes from those ads, from, you know, what those advertisers pay us to be able to put them on there. And then the other 69% nice. Oh, so nice. Comes from our Patreon supporters, which is which is awesome and really we do appreciate those of you who who support us there cuz really from the beginning that was what let us start growing the podcast, getting to the point where we could actually pay the people who helped to make this show, um being able to pay for better hosting so that we could keep growing. That started for for us at least for our podcast with Patreon primarily from the, you know, just the contributions from you out there. Uh, and then you, <laughs> viewers like you. It is viewers like you. <laughs> right. It actually is. Yes. Except for yeah. listeners like yeah. you. And then, and then the advertising for us didn't really start picking up till quite a bit later in our, in our journey. And that's not the same for every podcast, but that was at least how it was for us. And we... We went on our first tour when literally we were we were making like $300 a month. <laughs> that was before expenses though. Yes. I didn't even do the math back then on on what our actual even on our second was. tour we had to put our oh, own gosh. money well, into yes. it. Right. Do you remember okay, that? Well, so, so that's, and that's I a depressing like, and stressful uh, story. I was trying to talk about our scrappy <laughs> yeah, little underdog stress. first tour where it was like, "Okay, we're making less than $300 a month." How do how do we do a freaking tour, multi-city tour mm -hmm. on this amount of money? And so just had to be real clever with we're gonna pile in the car and make it a road trip and yeah. we're gonna rope yep. our friend Paul into being our roadie and we can't pay him, but we can pay Shout for his food Paul. and like lodging and right. find cheap little venues and like just do everything with we can. Relatives or friends. Right, stay with relatives. <laughs> yeah. 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 Real scrappy. Yeah. But we did it. Yeah. 
at least the second time we could fly places and go all around the country, but then we still had to put money yes. into it ourselves. Yeah, that, that was, was a fun one where we overdrafted yes. our account on that tour and had to pull out uh-huh, our own yeah, money yep, to, yep. to make it up. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, boy. That was before we had but, Sherry. Whoops. Sherry would have caught it. Yeah. Sherry would have. Yeah, mom would have been like, <laughs> been like no, don't no, do that. Don't you dare. Don't do that. Yeah. Get your head out of the sand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, we just we want to make it abundantly clear also that this is not our full time job. All of us have other stuff that we're doing. I feel like I'm the one who's like the gig worker out of the three of us still yeah. to this day in a lot of ways. We, we kind of represent um, the full spectrum. You know, You're about- like still the gig worker. Yeah. I'm like self-employed. You know, created my own job, and Jace yeah. is the freaking corporate suit Jeez. over there. Gosh, yep, he is. Yeah, although you, Jace, when we started, were super. That's gig true. Yeah, too. I was just doing like it, up until video editing recently. gigs, little random like Craigslist independent film VFX gigs, like all that kind of stuff, yep. and editing our show. And uh, yeah, I guess like photography. I was doing yep. all sorts of things, barely scraping by. That was <laughs> on that tour. Was a lot of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah but but we, I, I did want to mention that thing about having those day jobs is that that's not we're not saying that to mean like oh man podcasting sucks because we can't afford to quit our day jobs that actually for us was a really intentional choice that we hit this point when we yeah, first started making money like when we first started getting money which was from our adam and eve sponsorship that was our our very first one ever that yeah shout out to adam <laughs> they're and still eve. around today uh one of the the yes, first ones, and we're talking, gifts. we made, you know, like $20 a month or something like that, right? It started it very that, small. It was like $50 a month at first. No, no it yeah, started it much lower been, at we first. Were, yeah, oh, once yeah. we started. I remember because I was the one who, because we didn't have any of our own like multi-amory bank account or anything yet. So it all went into my bank account that then I had to divvy up to oh, yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> Siphon off. So at, at the yeah. very beginning, it was that like, cool, here's $20, you know, here's here's your $8, here's your $8, here's my $6, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then we did have this meeting probably at the point where it started getting to more like 50 or a hundred of, we should stop just taking this money that we're making. And instead we should put this in an account and keep it separate so that we can save it for things. And that's part of how we were able to do that tour at all. Even when we weren't making a lot, but we'd been saving it because we started not paying ourselves anything for the first several years of the show yeah several years and then there was that next turning point of deciding do we well so patreon and then making more money from that but but that thing of okay now we're starting to make a little more money is our goal doing all this ourselves and quitting our day jobs or do we keep our day jobs and we hire people and we start paying people to help us make this show. And so for us, it was that decision of we want to bring on more people so that there's more voices involved in making the show, more perspectives involved in making it, as well as, you know, being able to bring in people who have more expertise in something else than we do to do different tasks rather than just trying to be the the jack of all trades and doing it ourselves. So anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're not complaining about the fact that we have day jobs. That was actually a very conscious decision that we made at one point that we would rather be able to, you know, provide income and get input from a wider array of people than ourselves than to just be able to quit our day jobs. Yeah. Our 
show, if it were just one of us doing everything, we could live off of what we that have one made person at this could point. live off of. The, yes. the one person could, yes. But if <laughs> I think that it would be pretty miserable, quite honestly, that we say so often how grateful we are for the support that we have of not just each other, but everyone on our team as well. And the fact that we made this choice to do a podcast with three people, it's been so phenomenal because at times when we feel really shitty and having a really hard time with, you know, is this meaningful to anyone? Is anyone going to listen to this? Oh, I feel bad about that episode or whatever. We're able to lift each other back up. And it's just been so phenomenal over the years to be able to have the support of not just right. yourself having to do those things and lift yourself back up over and over again, but have other people who have your back as well. And that's really wonderful. In wrapping up this segment, talking about money and, and finances, which we ended up talking about a lot more than I expected to, but I do know it's something people are curious about. So hopefully y'all found that interesting. Maybe especially if you want to start your own podcast, now you have some, some insights there. But speaking of that, we are going to take yeah. a quick ad break to talk about some of our sponsors for this week's episode and some ways you can support this show. Again, as we mentioned earlier... If they're interesting to you and you do check them out, that does directly reflect on us getting more of those ad deals in the future. And it really helps us out. But also, if you're not able to or none of them are interesting, we're dedicated to making sure this podcast remains available for free. So please take a moment to listen to these ads and we'll see you in a sec. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. 
Hello and welcome back to our 400th episode. Blah, 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 ah, uh, as Google Docs <laughs> wants us to say. Good callback. Amazing. Wow. We spent a lot of time talking about money. I want to switch gears and talk about, this, is, this has been such a funny thing, the size of our show, the size of the podcast. So the reason why I feel the need, not that size, not that matters, size necessarily but... matters, but this is yet another area where people make a lot of assumptions and a lot of guesses, which is fair for reasons that I'll get into later. But basically, like our show, in comparison to a lot of the big players in podcasting, like your Joe Rogans, like your McElroy's, well, yeah. like, like, like the, the daily, daily. Like we're so small, it's right? Like so small yes. in comparison to most of the big players out there. But then there's a lot of folks, and especially folks within our audience, people in the non-monogamous community who think that we're like freaking huge who sometimes treat us as though we are like the McElroys or assume that we have the same like reach and influence and, and, you know, production capabilities as like the McElroys or the daily or things like that. And so that has been kind of a funny thing where really it's all pretty subjective. And then the internet also makes it hard to actually tell because, you know, podcasts, are actually kind of difficult to evaluate for their size and their influence. I mean, you can look at like iTunes charts and certain ratings like that that will give you us maybe a little bit of a sense of how popular a show is. But a lot of this is like in this algorithmic black box and it's not like a YouTube video where you can click on a channel and see how many subscribers they have and how many downloads this video got. Like there's nowhere public to find that for podcasts. Not only is there nowhere public to find that for podcasts, we don't even know how many people subscribe to our show. We, yeah, like we, we don't, don't know, even know. You're right. Like we, that's you know, we, if we know downloads, we know rough geographic locations of where more downloads happen than others. You know, we get that kind of information through our hosting site. But as I mentioned before, where we pay a company to host the podcast files itself, and they publish that on this public RSS feed that any other service can subscribe to and essentially, you know, redistribute that podcast. Because that happens a second step away. Apple doesn't tell us how many people subscribed. Spotify doesn't tell us how many people because it's mm -hmm. all separate to those services. Right. So, so it is kind of this weird thing of like, we don't even know how many subscribers we have. We can maybe make guesses and there are people in the industry to try to help you figure some of that stuff out, but, but we don't know. So it, it is a weird industry like that, that, you know, there's not Nielsen ratings for podcasts where they're going out and like surveying people about what they listen to. It, it is a very strange kind of industry that way. That's starting to happen more frequently, though, with like the big those ones. services yeah. again, with the big ones. And again, as podcasts are becoming a little bit more of a mainstream medium where there's more money and like bigger deals involved, like that is starting to become more of a thing. I will say I appreciate the fact that we are self-sustaining, which wasn't always the case, but we are a podcast that is able to function without us putting our own money into it anymore which is not a <laughs> right. thing that, a, yeah. that always was the case yeah, so yeah it took a lot of years to get there but you know that's partially because of all of you out there supporting us 
Dedeker and I recently went to Podcast Movement, which was a really fun place where Dedeker did a panel on podcasts that I guess are about like kind of salacious. Yes, topics. you were there. Really <laughs> it was the panel was. that I was on with some other people I know. on the Pleasure Podcasts Network. Yes, I was there for about 10 minutes and then okay. I had to catch a flight. So I was only there for like a hot second. But yes, we learned when we went to a different panel hosted by, I think, the CEO yeah. of Libsyn yeah. or something. Yeah, that there are 2.4 million podcasts out there globally. However, only 466,000 of those are active which that's 19 meaning have released and an episode only within the last month or something like that. Right. That's what they counted yes. as active. Yes. Yes. So that's a very small percentage of those 2.4 million podcasts. And then only 380,000 of those are active and also have more than 10 episodes. So many of them like had, you know, are just starting mm-hmm. out essentially and have not made it past that 10 episode threshold. So by that alone, we're in the top 16% of all podcasts in existence. So that's cool. I'm assuming actually we're in a far smaller percentage point because, you know, this is number 400 and we've been around since the dawn of yeah. time, it feels yeah, like. It's, it is a weird yeah. thing, right? Because yeah. we're saying we don't really have numbers about what other people have. However, there are some places that have published approximate numbers, kind of like these, right? Or rough download numbers, things like that. And so it is that weird thing of like, we're probably close to this top 1% of podcasts just because most podcasts maybe run for a year or two and they kind of fizzle out or or something like that, well, right? Those people, those people on social media that say like top 1% of podcasts, I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know what by what metric you are assessing the top 1%, like we could put that on there, I guess, but I wouldn't know if it's true or not. Right. But then, I, yeah. then I guess it's just that interesting thing, right? Of that, that even if you're at that level, which part of it is just, if you do a podcast consistently for eight years, you will probably be in that category just because not many people do that. Uh, and then, but then there's still, as Dedeker was mentioning before, just that massive gap between us, even being in that yeah. sort of tier between us and even those moderately well-known podcasts out there who've maybe only done one season, but still destroy us in listenership numbers just because, you know, they had a celebrity or they got a lot of coverage in the New York times or or whatever. Or they are a celebrity. Yeah. Or Spotify curated it and created the podcast. Exactly. You got a big company behind you promoting it or any number of things. Right. So uh, to close this out, I do think that there's, Often, a lot of misconceptions that people make on the internet. What a what an <laughs> what idea a that people on the internet have some misconceptions uh-huh. about yeah. other people on the internet. <laughs> because I don't know. I think in trying to suss out how popular any content creator is or how successful they are, you can look at a number of things: their number of subscribers, their number of downloads, the numbers on their social media following. But those those pretty much never tell you the whole picture. So we have known very large, very successful podcasts who happen to have very small social media followings or have a really unprofessional looking website, but the podcast is still just like as popular as gangbusters. And we've also seen vice versa. We've also known folks 
with extremely large social media followings who are still struggling to pay their rent, right? And and I think that often what I've seen online is people assume, oh my God, your TikTok is at like a million followers. Like you must be making so much money, right? right? And it's just like, that's not necessarily the case. Now, I do think that in content creation in general, there can be just this like absolute wild spread of like how much money people can and do make. So like that's kind of at the opposite end of the extreme. But just wanted to say that like, that's something that you can bear in mind as part of your own internet literacy, I think, is don't always assume that the numbers that you see attached to someone's podcast or to their social media automatically mean something about the quality of their life. Because I've, I've seen hmm. that happen a lot. So let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite parts of doing the <laughs> show. And some of the parts that are kind of <laughs> difficult, too. Um, Gosh, I think for me, I've learned so much about relationships and myself just because we have immersed ourselves in this topic for the last eight years and the difference between who I was eight years ago and who I am now is so vast and immense and I think largely it has to do with the fact that I'm actually taking the things that we've learned and implementing them into my daily life and it's made such a difference in my relationships and my relationship with myself as well. And that's pretty cool and profound. Still got a long way to go. My goodness. Yeah. And I think I honestly, the most challenging thing besides the time and, and all of those things and sometimes feelings of inadequacy is, uh, is worrying about the perception of Mm. the public and just feeling as though I I have to be perfect in the way that I speak and in the things that I do, because if I'm not, there will be a pile on in, in some respect. And I think that's just being a public facing person in any regard. And, you know, we're certainly not celebrities, but I definitely at the restaurant I work get, you know, people know who I am uh, from time to time. And I have a very uh, distinct voice. So, you know, you just have to hear it sometimes. And you're like, shit, I know who that is. So that that happens. But yeah, I, I think I, I, I would urge everyone out there just to know that, like, we are people and we're learning along the same, you know, we're on a, a similar journey as all of you out there are. And we will fuck up at times. I know that there are times that I fucked up on the show. And I felt awful about it for years, and I'll, I'm sure I'll do it again in the future. But yeah, I mean, if there's any grace that you can give us, it's appreciated because it happens. It's funny, actually, I was just having a conversation about something a little bit different, actually, with my therapist last week. And you know, he was kind of bringing up how we can easily, it's more easy to latch on to negative feedback, even if you get positive feedback as well yeah. and you know he was talking about we definitely get more right well, he was talking about negative, that as a therapist sure. he's like i have so many people who've told me how i've changed their life how i've really helped them who still to this day will write me a christmas card to tell me you know updates on how their life is going and how you know i helped make that possible he's like 
But the one I think about is the one person who's like, I don't think we're a good fit because of this about you. Or it's those ones are the ones that stick mm-hmm. with you. And so, so I don't want to make it sound like, you know, everyone's piling on us all the time. But, you know, sometimes people do just write really nasty things or, or because there's that ex- expectation of perfection. And that, and that can be hard. And I, like I said, I understand it. I was, you or know, just sometimes shit. it's just mean. Sure. Like about, yeah. Sometimes it's just man, and that's not that's even less. That's the thing. I find that with. the mean stuff, at least for me, is a little easier to deal with. Where if if it's like someone mm. who's just hateful and awful, it's you know it, it hurts, and it's like as much as I want to be like, oh yeah, whatever. They don't know nothing. It's you know it still hurts. It's still weird and uncomfortable just, and hard for someone to feel so strongly about you when you've never met them and haven't really interacted with them. Uh, but it's more the ones that it's that it's a really, you know, potentially nasty criticism, but even just like a really harsh criticism from someone who is otherwise an ally, who's otherwise, you know, part of the same community. I think those are the ones that are really hard because, you know, because there is that sense of like, but I do care what you think, right? We we're, we should be on the same team here. And, it, and now we're, it feels like we're not. And like, that's, I think those are the hardest. And that is something I feel like, We've especially in the past couple years really made a conscious effort for ourselves to not do that to other content creators or to to other people to say like that kind of tearing down just doesn't really help any of us. And it's something that I want to give a shout out to our moderators also and our community for really fostering as much as possible that kind of behavior in our our Facebook group and our Discord group of that. Yeah, people, you know, can make mistakes and people can learn and sort of having compassion and things like that rather than just punishing each other. So anyway, I, I, I digress a little bit, but that's something that's been, I never would have thought I would have had that much experience with that kind of like, I guess, sort of nuance of how we interact with each other and hopefully an opportunity to have some positive impact on that in, in kind of our larger community of people who support similar things. You're so right. It's really changed my relationship to the people that like I'm in parasocial relationships with the content (laughs) creators, the podcasts, YouTube channels that I consume about, yeah, if someone says something that I disagree with, or if I think that their take on something is wrong, it, yeah, it's really made me reevaluate, first of all, if I need to give this feedback to them. Mm -hmm. And then also secondly, how, Because now knowing how it's on the other side of it, and this, because this is to say, like, we've gotten some amazing critique over the years that has actually shaped and formed this show. Yes, I did want to say that too. We have had some people who've done a great job of this, of of being understanding. A lot of people have done a great job. Yes, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, that's definitely been a really good lesson for me. I think that, I don't know, but, but also, even though we talk about all the negative stuff, like, we've gotten so many people, like, when people do take the time just to mention how helpful the show has been, to talk about their favorite tool, to talk about sharing it with a friend, yeah. to talk about, you know, how it turned around communication in their relationship, it's just, it, I'm going to get verklempt. I, <laughs> I, I am right here just listening to you talk about it and thinking about it. Yeah, that. You know, it's oh no now okay now it's bad radio. Now I'm just sitting here being emotional. <laughs> just saying, when you reach out and say good things to us, it, it really does help to make all of this work and all of this these sweat, blood, and tears just worth it. 
yeah, we had a episode with Carrie Jenkins a couple weeks ago and where she was talking about projects and like life projects and things that bring you and the world around you meaning and also what you can give back to the world. And I think this has been an undertaking that has been one of the more challenging things perhaps we've done in our lives. And yet it's so profoundly worth it because we clearly are, I think in, in so many ways, because you all have told us that we are giving back to you in your lives. And that I think makes it all so worth it. Even the challenges that, that we may have, or, you know, just it challenges within our own company and our own triad of, of (laughs) being people who create content. Um, But it's worth it because I hope that it's giving back to the community at large. And again, like I've said so many times before, we're learning right along with you every single week. Okay, I'm going to keep crying if we keep talking about this. So I think we need to, I think we need to move it along to talking about what's in the future yeah, wrap it up. of multi-amory. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. What do you see in your crystal ball? What indeed. Well, the very immediate thing yes. is our book coming out next year, March 14th, 2023. Yeah, that has been a labor of love as well. And I'm just going to keep on keeping on. (laughs) I know. No, well, I think, I mean, it's really remarkable, but I'm about, you know, I'm about to go to Hong Kong and uh, off on a contract for Disney. And I'm thinking about the fact that I think the very first contract I did was when we were writing like our initial book proposal, which was at the time going to be for radar right, that was or the something first version of in, the book was, it was just going to be focused on radar, a manual for radar. Yeah. And I remember like su- being super jet lagged and waking up at like 5am and just like writing right. out a bunch of yeah. stuff. And that now finally, you know, on this other side of the pandemic, f- four years later, it's actually going to come out, which is really remarkable. So that's something that I'm super excited about. And I hope that, that you all will, yeah. will read it. Go to multiamory.com slash book if you want to specifically get on our mailing list for updates about that. Or honestly, already, if you search for us like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Simon & Schuster, you can pre-order, allegedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We haven't tried <laughs> yeah, it, but, but allegedly yeah. go check you it can. Out. Yeah. yeah, and I, I just... It, it's so cool because I don't know how much we've talked about this process, but the fact that the book started because a listener of our show, Agent Michael, mm. <laughs> who is our, our literary Shout agent, Agent Michael, reached out because he's a listener of the yes. show and had been to one of our live shows and heard me mention something about writing mm. a book on an episode and just randomly reached out like, hey, do you want to get coffee and talk about making books? I'm a publisher. This is what I do. Or not a publisher, but a, an agent for Gosh. authors. This is what I do. You want to chat about it? And we did that. And that eventually led to all of us meeting and and ending up taking this on. But just that... Like when we say that the none of this would be possible without the community, that's both on the macro scale of it's letting us so keep the true. show growing and yeah. learning so much and knowing what is even worth putting in a book, but also even on the micro level of so many of the, the people who've, who we've met and who've helped at various things along the way have been from people who listen to the show. 
And I think that was also around the same time that we were polling our audience and specifically polling our Patreon subscribers yeah. about like, what are the things that you want to see next from mm. us? And overwhelmingly, people wanted a book. So thank you, people who voted in that poll like four years ago. You can <laughs> right. finally get your book. <laughs> Took us long yeah, enough. Seriously. <laughs> Also, we're really hoping to do more live events eventually now that the pandemic has entered a different phase is, are the words that I'll use. Mm-hmm. It seems as though things are opening back up much more and the possibility of us coming to a city near you is <laughs> potentially going to happen in the near future. So I've definitely wanted to get back out there and meet people in person again because that was it, our, both of our tours were just so so much fun it was so great to actually meet people in person and get to interact with all y'all and you know do a live show so i hope we'll have many more of those to come yeah again especially what we were talking about at the top of the episode about being in this weird medium where you're just like talking into a <laughs> microphone <laughs> right to- what feels like nobody really you're just talking into the void and then to be in a context where you're actually talking to people face to face and they can react in real time and be in conversation with you and ask questions and also honestly yeah some of my best memories are just like doing a show and then like hanging out in the bar afterwards with listeners or also some of the memories that i don't remember anymore are from being in a bar after a show maybe having some fun times with some pretty people yeah that too (laughs) 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 Uh but also by the way again as we're thinking about doing more live events if y'all listening are yourselves or if you have any connections to people who are good (laughs) at event management or tour management like we for years have been wanting someone who can help take on some of this labor of planning all these things because when it's just the three of us doing it especially when it's like multi-city tours like we all feel like we're gonna die from stress and from how overwhelmed we are we've done it but we would love to find a badass person who loves to do that stuff more help that we could bring on for doing that so if that's you find a way to reach out to us yeah. What else do you see? What 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 else is going to be in the future beyond just events and the book and doing 400 more episodes of the podcast? <laughs> Gosh. I think that the future the future is an interesting place because so many things can happen. Uh no, I I think something that I'd be curious about is experimenting with different kind of types of episodes or different mm-hmm. other maybe audio projects in addition to, you know, written projects or maybe video projects, things like that. I don't even know what that is. I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff here. But the idea of like, like we recently started doing our question and answer episodes. And we tried that several years ago in the past of like with call-in questions. And we tried different ways of doing that, that just never quite took off. I think partly because of maybe not having enough listenership or that it's a lot easier to write a question than it is to call in and like record yourself asking the question. You know, I'm not not sure what it is, but they've been a really cool way to connect to what people are talking about and get us to think about some situations that are a little more specific and a little less just general, right? It's kind of lets us focus more on, okay, let's see how these things can apply in people's real lives or, you know, 
how does this remind me of, oh, right, I went through a very similar thing years ago or, or whatever it is. And so that's been really cool. And that's a, a somewhat newish thing. So I wonder what other sorts of different formats or different kind of interesting things there could be to do there. I think that's something that'd be fun to explore. Keep it fresh. I would also love to hear from y'all as well. Yeah. Y'all gave us the great idea of doing a book. It's a good so idea. Yeah. Right. Else super exciting. You would love to see. Let us know. Yeah. Having more guests on or even guests maybe do an episode, like curate an episode of their own. That might be an interesting idea. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's all sorts of interesting things that could happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when we I'd all... Be open. I'd be open to a TV show someday. I definitely. Just saying. Sure, yeah. Just put it out Given there. The... doesn't have to be a weird, smarmy reality TV show, but <laughs> but something more cool than that. Yeah. Okay. Something where we have like a little bit more control, perhaps. Right. Would be fantastic. That could be fun. That. I've talked uh, about the idea of maybe trying out doing some kind of occasional virtual live shows in addition mm, to in-person ones. The metaverse, Jace, oh, the future of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? They I said just... that at Podcast Movement, and we were yeah. like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, at Podcast Movement, like literally anyone was like, what's the future of podcasting the or the metaverse. future of monetization or the future of advertising or whatever? I think that that's just the acceptable answer for I don't know what's in the future. Right. It's just like, oh, the metaverse. Oh, I think the, met- I mean, I think the metaverse is going to be huge. You know, I, th- I think, you right. know, like no one can say exactly how or what that would look like. Yeah. Right. Metaverse, it's the future of podcasting. I mean, I was just the other day, I don't remember if I told this to you, Emily, but I was oh. telling Dedeker, because you two told me about this metaverse thing. Yeah. And I was, and I've also been researching metaverse stuff just kind of on my own to try to understand more about what that actually really might be and how that could look since I'm a mm-hmm. nerdy tech boy. Yep. Uh, but I was semi jokingly. I, I would actually do this if you were into it, but I don't think you will be. I was like, what if we start doing our live shows in Roblox? You know, we build a we build a server <laughs> in Roblox where we can... See, Emily doesn't sign. even know what Roblox is. Right. <laughs> Roblox. Did you say Roadblox or Roblox? Oh R-O-B-L-O-X. Ro. Okay. I was like, like, it's Ro? It's what all like the kids little, are into. Little fishes? Oh. No, R-O. What? B-L-O-X. Not, there's no E, not like row, oh. like the fishies. Wait, no, it it's actually what the started, kids are into? It started, okay. here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I learned about this from to, my Metaverse book okay. that I'm reading. Is It okay. did start out as a game whose audience was primarily kids. But the idea is it's a platform where you can design your own levels. Okay. Uh, like basically design like your own Mario games. Maker. Oh. Kind of like Mario Maker, but with way more freedom and creativity, or, you know, okay. that, that are options. Like you're not limited to just one particular type of game like you are with Mario Maker. Okay. But the latest stats are that the vast majority of Roblox players are adults now. That it's really taken off as oh, this wow. bigger platform. Right. However, our show would get shut down immediately because you can't have any like conversation about sex or anything. Like You can't even have description of sex anywhere. So we'd probably be okay. close enough to that line that wouldn't actually happen. But... Uh, it's something like that. I was like, why not? We could run around with our little avatars and, you know, have special <laughs> effects that go off and you know, wow. people could interact in real time and like dance. Okay. Well, and, if the listeners know. want it, <laughs> yeah, if the go. listener, if we get overwhelming feedback that the listeners want it, we'll make it happen. <laughs> so lastly, before we come to a close here, we do need to give a quick cheeky little promo for our other podcast, which we've teased sometimes over the course of this show. Uh, it's something that has nothing to do with nothing. the content of this show. Uh, our other show is called Drunk Bible Study, uh, where 
it's kind of like what it says on the tin. Basically, Emily was a born and raised atheist. I have religious PTSD. Jace almost went to seminary. And so we committed a few years ago to just meeting every week and drinking some beers and reading every single word of the Bible and then also live streaming it on Twitch. So basically, if everything that you heard in this episode sounds like super stressful, drunk Bible study is how we de-stress from all of that. By (laughs) by making another podcast. (laughs) I don't know if that was the smartest move, but... I know. We but should have gotten into, into Fortnite or something instead, but right. here we are. Fortnite, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very fun. And, you know, I'm learning way more about the Bible than I ever thought I would in my entire life ever. And yeah, it's I'm not being evangelized. I'm just going to put that out there. But I am <laughs> enjoying reading it because the Bible is pretty wacky. Yes, Pretty definitely. wacky. Just putting oh, that out we there. We have a great time. But yeah, we haven't done a ton of direct promotion it's or marketing for that show. show. So I tiny. think that's part of why. Yeah. Yes. And it show. really is just kind of like this is where we have fun. Yeah. Right. And so we do have a fun little audience of like regular people who show up to our live streams every single week. And we have all these in jokes and just joke around and have a fantastic time. But if that appeals to you, and by the way, we get an audience that's like very diverse as far as like their knowledge experience yeah. with the bible like everything from people who are ex-evangelicals to people who like actually like are no theologians Latin. people yeah. who still identify as christian you know like it's brought in a really funny ragtag bunch yeah. of an audience so if you're interested you can go to drunkbiblestudy.com you can find drunk bible study in whatever podcast player you use or you can go to twitch.tv slash drunk bible study and watch one of our live streams on a thursday oh and with that we bring our 400th episode to a close and oh, wow. i officially wow. announced the start of multi-amory season four. Oh wow right? okay or maybe it's season five i don't know how numbers work yeah. but, <laughs> but here's the thing if you go to our instagram stories this week we're going to be directly asking the question, what do you want to see from Multiamory in the future? Now is your time to sound off and let us know what you would like to see from us. If it's live shows in Roblox, <laughs> we'll, if, if at least more than like 10 of you say we'll it. We'll find a way to clean up the show. Yeah, We'll do it, baby. <laughs> so the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners, if you want to goss about all this stuff that you found behind the curtain, You can go to our episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can also post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.